0: You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's no huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
1: Let's talk Cleveland football with Daryl Ryder from 92.3, the fan in Cleveland. Daryl, thanks for coming back on the show. Seems like a done deal. The Browns will take a quarterback with one of their two top five picks. We're all guessing, so we'd appreciate your input. Who do you think the Browns should take?
2: That's a great question, um, because each and every one of these quarterbacks coming out, unfortunately, all have questions with them. There is no clear consensus, number one, in this draft, and this is uh, the unfortunate situation the Browns now find themselves in after deciding to pass on top quarterbacks in the last two draft classes. I've had people... Uh, in the league tell me that uh, you know, they don't feel that this class is uh, on the same level as Carson Wentz's class, but I've also had uh, people in the league tell me the exact opposite. So there's no clear consensus on any of these guys, and uh, I guess that's why John Dorsey now is making the big bucks as the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, because he's going to have to figure it out before uh, the end of April.
0: This has been a football team that that tried to find many years, uh, over the years, to try to find a quarterback. Whether it's going back to 99 when they got the new stadium, up until now. Do you see them actually going out to make the same mistake, I would say, again, as opposed to going after a Saquon Barkley and give him the opportunity then build around him and maybe go through free agency to grab a quarterback and build around it.
2: Well, I think they're going to do, uh, they're, they're going to get two quarterbacks in here. Uh, they will go out in free agency and bring in a quarterback to play this year and help them try and win some football games this year. Uh, I also believe that they will draft the quarterback with that first pick, sit him, redshirt him, however you want to term it, and do everything in their power to make sure that guy doesn't see the field until they are ready to put him on the field you know you mentioned 1999 going back to Tim Couch uh the one of uh, it and it started this whole quarterback domino uh process but they they panicked after uh i i remember Carmen Policy uh had mentioned that you know just rather casually that they hoped to make the playoffs as an expansion team and then the, the Pittsburgh Steelers rolled in there and, and, and just ran them off the field. Ty Detmer was the starting quarterback. I think they lost like 41 nothing, something like that. Yeah, that's how bad we and, beat him You're right. Go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> they, they, they panicked, and then they put Tim Couch on the field right away. Uh, and that was a mistake. They sort of just stuck with Detmer and, and let that couch sit. So um, I don't think that they're going to intentionally repeat poor decision-making By drafting a quarterback number one and then putting him on the field in week one, I don't see that happening. I do believe they will go out in free agency and get a veteran that can come in here and play and help them win some games until they can get their new uh, franchise quarterback ready to play.
1: franchise quarterback they've been looking for for more than 10 seconds. Talking Browns football with Daryl Ryder, 92-3 the fan in Cleveland. Daryl, we had a lot of conversation on this show in the wake of Todd Haley's departure from Pittsburgh about the notion that he is driven and intense. Could that intensity be too much for a rookie quarterback to handle, even in that redshirt role you were talking about?
2: No, this team needs someone to kick him in the backside. They've won one game in two years. Um, I think the Browns getting Todd Haley is a coup for them. Jeez, oh man, I, that fell right in Hugh Jackson's lap. Um, it certainly gives you a little bit of credibility. It also takes some, some stuff off his plate uh, because he was trying to run the show by himself. Now he has somebody with a, a bona fide, established resume, well-respected in the league, that can now just run run with the offense and handle it for him and he can focus on becoming a a true NFL head coach. So I think it's a great move for the Browns. And uh, guess what? If if you can't handle Todd Haley or an offensive coordinator, then you shouldn't be in the National Football League. It's that simple.
0: When you look at how things have gone with Hugh Jackson over the last couple years and going through this process of trying to find a quarterback, trying to build up this offensive line, whether it's to free agents, however you go about doing it, you know, how, what's this longevity like for far as being able to bring in these players this season and, and I say it doesn't work again? I mean, there's only been one win over the last two years and you move forward. Hopefully you can get, what, five or half a dozen at least to get you in position to just be, let's just say, respectable throughout playing in the National Football
2: League? Yeah, I mean, you want to get back to the same level of stank you've been for the last two decades, <laughs> and that is the perennial 4-12, and 5-11 juggernaut that you've been. Uh, that's, that, that's now the new That's now the new... Round standard. Can you just get back to that? Um, you know, they haven't they won three games, or four games, I should say, in the last three years combined. That's embarrassing. Uh, especially in today's uh, day and age. So, yeah, I think you try and win five or six games this year, you feel like things are back in the, in the right direction again and then we, a year from now, talk about what it's going to take to get this team to achieve mediocrity. And then once they can achieve mediocrity, then we can talk about what it'll take for them Uh, to get into legitimate contention and and, uh, compete for the playoffs and all those type of things. But, um, you know, he's had a rough go of it. Uh, He, uh, while certainly the roster hasn't been all that great to work with, he's had his blunders as well. He's also had his stubbornness as well with the, you know, butting heads with the front office in that. Well, now you've got traditional football people in charge again. To John Dorsey, and who brought in Alonzo Highsmith from Green Bay and Elliot Wolf from Green Bay, so it's a traditional front office once again for the Browns. So the excuse train for Hugh Jackson is about to leave the station because with all the salary cap space and all these draft picks, there there is an expectation that there will be a significant infusion of talent on both sides of the football, and uh, the Browns should be in much better position to compete in the fall.
1: Darrell, this is going to sound absurd, but I know you can handle it as a broadcasting professional. Even though the team went winless, did you see improvement in any specific areas?
2: Uh, You saw some. You saw it with the younger players. Um, You know, guys like David Njoku, the rookie tight end from Miami. Um, I I think he's got a chance to be a star. Seth DeValve, another young tight end, continues to emerge. Duke Johnson, I think, is, is a hidden gem in the league. Uh, that just does not get a lot of attention. And I think that if the Browns were a better football team, he would get attention. I think he's a really, really good player. Uh, Miles Garrett, he only played 11 games, but he had seven sacks. That's that's incredible. Uh, Larry Joby, I think, is a, a star in the making. Um, another young defensive end by the name of Emmanuel Ogba, unfortunately he got hurt last year. He had four sacks before he went down. He was the leading uh Sacker, his rookie season back in 2016, I think he and Miles Garrett are going to uh, provide this uh, organization with two very strong, solid bookends. I can't really grade Jabril Peppers because they played him out of position all season, basically out of necessity, because they had nobody in the back end of their defense. Um, But I still see potential in him. So there are some nice, young pieces that Sashi Brown was able to bring in here It's just when you're looking at the assets they have, do you want a traditional football guy making those moves, or do you want someone that isn't a traditional football guy making those moves? And I think that that's why the change at that position was made, That and the relationship, once again, going south between a head coach and a general manager here in Cleveland.
0: With this team... Probably, if you're looking at the roster, the youngest team in the National Football League, what's the true expectations? Because you look at Jason McCourty, he's 10 years in the game, and you look at the offensive tackle, and Joe Thomas, you know, he's sitting there at 12 years in the game. What's the true realistic expectations for this football team, considering that they truly are so young?
2: Well, I mean, I think youth is a crutch and an excuse, quite frankly. Um, you know, two of the youngest teams in the league uh, were. Uh, in the playoffs this past year in uh, New Orleans, as well as I think it was on having a brain cramp here. Uh, there was another playoff team. Maybe it was uh, not Minnesota, but there was another. Oh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah. So, And San Francisco, I believe, was the youngest as far as snaps played, and the Browns were fourth. They had the fourth most rookie snaps. So I think that the youth aspect of it is, is a little bit of a crutch because I think you can be young and I think you you can be good uh and you know New Orleans had themselves a great draft a a year ago and those kids came in and were significant contributors to that playoff team same thing uh with the Jacksonville Jaguars so uh, I think that the Browns can they're going to add 12 more rookies this year uh six of those rookies are going to be in the top 65 of the draft so Level of talent should be uh, up there as well. You should be closer to blue tip guys rather than, you know, maybe a player you're taking a flyer on, and you know, heads or tails, he may or may not work out. Uh, the probabilities of getting a good player or, or, or a bunch of good players are going to increase. So, I really believe the arrow for the Browns is pointing up. This is going to be an exciting offseason for them and it's going to be interesting to see how Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, Greg Williams are able to bring all these kids together and see if uh, they can't start winning some games.
1: Sarah, last one for me. As you interact with fans in person on the radio station and social media, are they numb to all the losing? Is it now a state of apathy, or are they more concerned about where LeBron James is going to play next year?
2: No, well, I mean, obviously, they're all the above. Uh, you know, uh, certainly everyone's worried about LeBron and where he's going to end up, although I think the Cavs... Help their cause significantly at the trade deadline, as far as keeping him. But you know, uh, Browns fans are passionate. They still love their team. They're frustrated. Uh, they're tired of the losing. They're tired of the. They certainly are sick and tired of the fact that this is now of historic proportions. No team in National Football League history has gone through three seasons with a total of four wins. Um, I think it was the Rams franchise who won six games over three years in the late. Two thousand I think more to say from like two thousand and seven to two thousand and nine that was the previous record, so fans are frustrated they 're anxious uh, they 're waiting for this thing to, to finally get on the right track. This will be the twentieth season that the franchise has played since returning. They have two above five hundred finishes to show for it, one playoff appearance. it was extremely brief and that is about it And just a lot of change, a lot of turmoil a lot of volatility and just a lot of really ugly football to watch on Sunday afternoons. That's why they had the parade I think that (laughs) parade was you know um,
1: How did you see that parade? Was that rock bottom or celebration of the ironic cruelty of being a Brown fan?
2: No, I, all of the above. I, I covered the parade. I was there. It was uh, the coldest I've ever been in my life, let's <laughs> tell you that. But it, listen, it was part protest. It was part tailgate. It was part just celebrating still giving a care about a franchise that gives you nothing in return. Um, I thought it was a great atmosphere. Some of the signs uh, were very, very creative. Uh, I have pictures of all of them. Uh, and the love for the Cleveland Browns remains. So uh, I can't wait to see what uh, the city of Cleveland is like once this football team actually gets its act together. And as we talked about, I really think that this offseason they are positioned very, very strongly to uh, to really begin that process.
1: Daryl, we always enjoy having you on the show. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. My
2: pleasure. Thanks for having me,
1: guys.